0: Good evening. Street fighting in Peru as the effects of the war in Ukraine spread to South America. Biden's new sanctions target Putin's family and bail reform in Albany. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DeRienzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, April 6, 2022. Peruvian President Pedro Castillo has ended a curfew in two Peruvian cities seven hours earlier than previously announced. The curfew was imposed amid mass protests sparked by skyrocketing fuel and fertilizer costs. Following the announcement, Peru's Interior Ministry released a statement calling on citizens to protest peacefully and avoid disturbing public order. Peru's Castillo imposed the curfew on Tuesday in an attempt to curb the protests in the country. People have been demonstrating against rising fuel and fertilizer costs caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The government claimed protesters erected roadblocks and carried out acts of violence as toll booths were burned, shops were looted, and some demonstrators clashed with the police they also set fire to tires and blocked the pan-american highway peru's most important north-south transport and traffic route the government said at least four people had been killed in march inflation in peru hit a 26-year high driven by those rising fuel and food prices the protest posed a new challenge to castillo who ran as a left-wing populist and as a former teacher he survived a second impeachment attempt by congress last month during his eight-month tenure And in war news, the United States targeted Russian banks and elites with a new round of sanctions today. They include banning Americans from investing in Russia. The move is in response to what President Joe Biden condemned as major war crimes by Russian forces in Ukraine.
1: First, the United States will impose full blocking sanctions on Sparebank, by far the largest financial institution in Russia, and Alpha Bank, its largest private bank. We're locking down any accounts, any funds, that those banks hold in the United States. And this ban on investment is going to make sure that new money can't come into Russia to replace what's left. We're adding more critical state-owned enterprises to the list of fully blocked Russian companies. These companies are major revenue generators owned by Russian government. They'll not be able to access or use any assets they have in the United States. We, along with our European allies, are adding the names of the list of Russian elites and their families. These oligarchs and their family members are not allowed to hold on to their wealth in Europe and the United States and keep these yachts worth hundreds of millions of dollars, their luxury vacation homes, while children in Ukraine are being killed, displaced from their homes every single day. And finally, we're continuing to supply Ukraine with the weapons, resources they need to defend their country. Last Friday, we announced millions in funding to procure new equipment for Ukraine. Advanced drones, laser-guided rocket systems. Yesterday, I signed another package to send more Javelin missiles, those shoulder-mounted missiles that can take out (laughs) tanks and armored vehicles. To keep getting an uninterrupted supply. Advanced weapons and ammunition are flowing in every single day. And as you may have seen yesterday on television, when the Secretary of Defense was being cross-examined by one of our how can I say it? Our congresspersons yeah. <laughs> saying, what have you done? And he basically looked at him and said, what the hell you think we've done? Why do you think you're able to fight? We've trained them and we've given them the weapons.
0: Uh, Biden was referring to an interaction between Secretary Lloyd Austin and GOP Congressman Matt Gates yesterday on Capitol Hill over who knew what and which which administration, this one or the last, was more competent in dealing with Russia? The new sanctions hit Russia's Spurbank, holding one third of Russia's total banking assets, and Alpha Bank, the country's fourth largest financial institution. U.S. officials also said that energy transactions would continue to be exempted. Western Europe imports more than a third of their energy from Russia. The United States is also sanctioning Russian President Vladimir Putin's two adult daughters. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov's wife and daughter and senior members of Russia's Security Council. The sanctions come as grim images emerging from Bukha inside a mass grave and the bodies of people shot at close range, some of them bound, prompting calls for tougher action against Moscow and an international investigation. Meanwhile, on the legal front – in the latest in a series of law enforcement actions against Russia, the U.S. Justice Department today charged oligarch Konstantin Malofiev with violating sanctions imposed on Moscow after the invasion. They call it a, uh, well, we'll get to that. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the department is cooperating with prosecutors in Europe to start collecting evidence of possible Russian war crimes.
2: And we are announcing today is the unsealing of an indictment charging Russian oligarch Konstantin Malifev with sanctions violations. The Treasury Department previously identified Malifev as one of the main sources of financing for Russians promoting separatism in Crimea and for providing material support for the so called Donetsk People's Republic. After being sanctioned by the United States, Malifev attempted to evade the sanctions by using co conspirators to surreptitiously acquire and run media outlets across Europe. We are also announcing the seizure of millions of dollars from an account at a U.S. financial institution which the indictment alleges constitutes proceeds traceable to Malefeb's sanctions violations. The Justice Department will continue to use all of its authorities to hold accountable Russian oligarchs and others who seek to evade U.S. sanctions.
0: Garland also announced the Justice Department disrupted a global botnet of thousands of infected devices allegedly controlled by the Russian military. Botnets are automated networks of computers linked to viruses that infect and control targeted computer systems. He also named the targets of various federal investigations. The second action we are announcing today
2: is the disruption of a global botnet controlled by the Russian military intelligence agency, commonly known as the GRU. The Russian government has recently used similar infrastructure to attack Ukrainian targets. Fortunately, we were able to disrupt this botnet before it could be used. Thanks to our close work with international partners, we were able to detect the infection of thousands of network hardware devices. We were then able to disable the GRU's control over those devices before the botnet could be weaponized. Yesterday. Together with our German law enforcement partners, we seized the Russia-affiliated Hydra Darknet market, the world's largest illegal marketplace on the dark web. We also filed criminal charges against a Russian national who we allege administered the market's technical infrastructure. And on the day before that, again with our international partners, we seized the Tango, a superyacht owned by Victor Vexelberg, another sanctioned oligarch, with close ties to the Russian regime. The Justice Department will continue to work alongside our international partners to hold accountable those who break our laws, threaten our national security,
0: and harm our allies. And that was Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. In February, the FBI, National Security Agency, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, and the United Kingdom's National Cybersecurity Center jointly published an advisory that malware was... Uh, a bug used to infect types of computer equipment. It's uh, that could publish an advisory that malware was being used to infect uh, certain types of computer equipment uh, to then. Uh, carry out what they call denial of service attacks. Those could be used to take down a network by thrusting uh, information at it until it overwhelms the computers involved. Yesterday, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, meanwhile, told a congressional committee that the United States was ready to help the North Atlantic Treaty Organization target Russia, he says, more efficiently.
2: NATO is going through a process right now to really kind of assess how the – we expect that the the, uh, security architecture in the region uh, is going to change for the foreseeable future, or has changed for the foreseeable future. With that in mind, then, you know, we'll look to work with with NATO to – if NATO deems that it's appropriate to uh, to change its footprint, uh, then uh, certainly we'll be a part of that. Our goal is to make sure that we continue to reassure uh, our allies and partners, especially those that are on the eastern flank. Uh, and, and especially uh, our, our uh, allies that are in the Baltic area, the Baltic region. This is a work in progress.
0: Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, but Alfred Desaius, a law professor at the Geneva School of Diplomacy, says NATO has not been defending itself, but under Pentagon stewardship, the treaty organization has in fact been provoking Russia. Although, like many, he adds, that's no excuse for Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
3: This is NATO's war against Russia, using the Ukraine as its pawn. And unfortunately, President Zelensky has allowed himself to be used as a pawn in this geopolitical game. This is a tragedy for the Ukrainian people. This is a tragedy for the Russian people. This is a tragedy for all of us. I am an American citizen and I resent the fact that my tax dollars are being used basically to wage war and that the military budget of the United States is astronomical instead of directing that money to education, to infrastructure, to health care and all of the other needs of the American people. We're fighting an information war. The corporate media in the United States, what people term as the quality press, the New York Times, Washington Post, they are a one opinion media, and they're just pushing one narrative. Happily, I live in Switzerland, in Geneva, and I have very close contacts with my former colleagues, United Nations rapporteurs, I have a lot of contact with the Secretariat of the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. And I can assure you that the narrative that we discuss at the Human Rights Council and in the Secretariat is not the narrative that you read in the New York Times. I think it is a scandal that the uh, New York Times and the Washington Post simply do not print dissenting opinions. And this is not only now. There's a long history of this kind of manipulation of public opinion. You know it from Noam Chomsky's book, uh, Manufacturing Consent. Noam Chomsky is very strongly supporting Ukraine. I know that. And I support Ukraine, too. I mean, I condemn the violation of Article 2, Paragraph 4 of the UN Charter, which prohibits the use of force. So no doubt, Putin has committed an aggression. It is a very grave crime. On the other hand, you have to put it in the historical context. Putin has been trying to solve this problem since the coup d'etat against the democratically elected president of Ukraine, Viktor Yanukovych, on the 22nd of February, 2014. That is when the Ukrainian war started, not on the 24th of February, 2022. We know that United States, United Kingdom, France and others, not only delivered weapons, but also trained the Ukrainian army. We have here a clear complicity in the expansion eastwards of NATO. What is Germany, some of these other countries that get by so much energy, they
0: need good relations with Russia, how are they now talking about cutting off energy, taking huge hits on their own economies, on behest of the United States? Why isn't NATO
3: breaking up? uh, Well, (laughs) these countries, unfortunately, are not really sovereign. And they're not acting democratically, they're not acting in the interests of their own peoples. Russia was continuing its deliveries according to the contracts. And it is us who are unilaterally shooting ourselves in the foot and damaging our own economies. The only one who is benefiting here is the United States because the United States is now selling its shale liquefied gas, and it's, which is far worse for the climate, far worse for the environment and then anything that the Europeans have been buying much cheaper, by the way, from Russia. Kiev is not going to win this war. They're gonna draw it out, and while they draw it out, the military-industrial-financial complex in the United States will laugh all the way to the bank.
0: Alfred Desaias, he's a law professor at the Geneva School of Diplomacy. He's the author of Building a Just World Order, published by Clarity Press. And in national news, a Minneapolis police officer will not face criminal charges for fatally shooting a 22-year-old black man during a no-knock raid on an apartment in February. That's according to state and local prosecutors today. Even though the dead man, Amir Locke, was a victim, there was insufficient evidence to bring charges against Mark Hanman, the member of the Minneapolis SWAT team who fired the shot. Uh, that's according to Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison and Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman. The state also lacked evidence to prove criminal wrongdoing by any of the officers involved in the planning and execution of the February 2nd raid. The killing one in a nationwide string of incidents that has prompted outrage over law enforcement's treatment of racial minorities, highlighting the potential for violent interactions when no-knock warrants are used. And lawmakers in Oklahoma yesterday approved a near total ban on abortion, making it the latest Republican-led state to forge ahead with stringent abortion legislation as the Supreme Court weighs a case that could overturn Roe v. Wade later this year. The measure, Senate Bill 612, would make performing an abortion except to save the life of a pregnant woman in a medical emergency a felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison and a fine of $100,000. The Oklahoma House voted 70-14 to send the bill, which passed the Senate last year, to Governor Kevin Stitt, a Republican, whose office responded by noting that Mr. Stitt vowed in September to sign every piece of pro-life legislation that came to his desk. The bill takes effect in August. Director of the ACLU of Oklahoma is Tamaya cox They're
2: going to find a way to get an abortion. So either that's traveling or that's a self-managed abortion. So bills and bans like these that we're seeing across the country, not just Oklahoma, essentially pit people against other people. People that can afford to go to other states to get the abortion care that they need will go, and then those that can't are forced to have a pre- to have a pregnancy they may or may not want
0: director of the aclu of oklahoma if the court upholds the law it could upend roe v wade the 1973 decision that established the constitutional right to abortion and then prohibited states from banning the procedure before fetal viability or around 23 weeks you've been listening to the wbai news for wednesday august 6 2022 the news producer linda perry our engineers Reggie johnson from new york city i'm paul durianzo and stay tuned to the greatest radio station in the world wbai in new york We'll